at 7.32 now. While things have been tense at the inter-Korean border, according to many headlines recently, what about a confrontation between Indian and Chinese soldiers along their disputed Western Himalayan border? Soldiers reportedly threw stones at each other, actually causing minor injuries on both sides. According to India's PTI news agency, Chinese troops tried to enter Indian territory, but Beijing maintains its soldiers were inside Chinese territory. To hear more about the latest clash, we first invite Dr. Rajiv Ranjan Chaturvedi from the Research Associate of the Institute of South Asian Studies at the National University of Singapore. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's uh, just try to say again, uh, good morning to you, Doctor. Can you hear me? Okay, so we'll um, try to connect with him uh, again in a moment, but uh, we hear so much about territorial disputes, especially involving China. It has um, more than a dozen territorial disputes ongoing with other countries in the region, including, um, of course, with Japan. We have that problem ourselves with Japan, but we hear a lot about that. Um, here in South Korea as well, we've had problems with the exclusive economic zone. Uh, but let's bring in Dr. Rajiv Ranjan Chaturvedi now. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Good morning. And, and we should point out that Bhutan is uh, very much involved in this particular territorial dispute as well. Um, on the surface, though, this confrontation began back in June, further east, near a plateau known as Doklam in India and Donglang in China. A standoff prompted the two to reinforce troops and call on the other to retreat. There's actually a long history there. Can you give us a bit more background, especially for people who don't know too much about it at all? Yeah, uh, actually, uh, there is dispute between uh, India, China, and Bhutan related to border. And uh, this dispute basically is about the tri-junction. And um, there is a convention between British and Chinese uh, government in 1890. And this difference is because of uh, uh, interpretation by India, which thinks that the India's claim is the tri-junction is at Batang La, whereas Chinese interpretation is 6.5 kilometer further south, which is Gaimo Chen. So, uh, but there is agreement between India and China special representatives um, in 2012, which uh, says that there won't be any unilateral action in the area pending a final border settlement. So that's where it started. How bad has fighting been in the past, though? Uh, there has been uh, several uh, incursions, uh, quote-unquote, uh, from Chinese side uh, in Indian territory because it's a long border and um, uh, there is uh, different interpretation by both the parties. So they patrol their border and uh, they do uh, cross some time for the other side uh, and that's why there is but this is a very different kind of standoff at uh, Doklam uh, than any previous uh, such stand what's been triggering the tensions though lately um, in terms of right now this summer uh, China uh, started building a road there and uh, it was a direct violation of agreement between Bhutan and China, which they agreed in 1988 
and 1998 to maintain peace and refrain from unilateral action in that area. And when Bhutanese forces uh, asked them to stop or change their status quo, um, they didn't listen to that, which Chinese are used to uh, bully their small neighbors. Then India and Bhutan has agreement, and also it directly impinges India's security if there is a change of a status quo because it's direct violation of agreement between uh, these three parties. So that's where uh, it started. It was started by China. And then Indian uh, military uh, reacted to that on request of Bhutan. As I mentioned before, they've been throwing stones recently. Is there a danger that the fighting could become more serious? Um, I don't think that there is chances of uh, military hostility at a large scale. There could be skirmishes. But, you know, it's very difficult to predict when it's going to be a bigger military uh, conflict between these two countries. There is always a potential. But I believe that there is enough institutional mechanism. And uh, if we uh, ignore the Chinese uh, psychological warfare, which they are doing, and they are very aggressive on that um we should uh, there are many other aspects between india and china uh, so mm. uh, there through diplomatic channels institutional mechanism so far uh, they are maintaining peace at the border so i believe that there could be small skirmishes uh, from chinese side which they are looking for weak points uh, at different uh, positions on border and they can do it again what is a, a sensible position for neutral countries in the region to take on this, if they are pressed to take a position? Uh, is this an issue that could be solved quite easily, uh, or, or is it very ambiguous? The issue is quite complicated. When you uh, ask about what would be a sensible uh, thing to do for both countries as well as for neighboring countries, I think the first thing is to go back to the status quo and there would be one and only solution to such problem is through dialogue. War cannot solve the problem. So I believe that Chinese should uh, stop all this uh, false propaganda and uh, they should uh, ponder upon the um, interest both countries have as well as the overall regional developmental interest uh, and then uh, Think, sit together through the diplomatic channel and other means and uh, discuss about it, settle the dispute. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Rajiv Ranjan Tatabedi of National University of Singapore, joining us first up today. Thank you. Um, and speaking of third-party countries, the U.S. has urged India and China to engage in dialogue to reduce tensions this week. So let's bring in Dr. James Holmes, Professor of Strategy at the Naval War College, a US expert here. Thank you very much for joining us. Hey, thanks for the invitation. And um, often we like, I think, or have a tendency to view these kinds of conflicts as being a, a black and white issue. Someone will be in the right, someone will be in the wrong. But all these regional territorial disputes, y you'll, you will hear what seem like compelling arguments from either side, depending on who you're talking to. What's your advice for us, just first up, in terms of trying to approach this issue neutrally? 
Uh, as far as from, from an American perspective, I think the uh, the administration has done the correct thing and is trying to get the two sides to talk. I mean, Winston Churchill famously said it's better to jaw-jaw than to war-war, and I think these are uh, wise words. I'm not entirely sure that it can happen that way. However, if you look at the terms in which China has framed its position in this dispute, uh, it has framed these, its uh, position in terms of sovereignty, uh, and in terms of territory, things that really, really resonate with the Chinese people. By doing that, if uh, if the leadership were to to open talks, suggesting that it might compromise, then it would have it would be portraying itself before the Chinese people as having uh, been prepared to compromise sovereignty and territory and all of these things that have such deep uh, emotional resonance. So, in a sense, I think uh, China has painted itself into a corner unwisely in this uh, in this dispute. We we do talk about dialogue as a preferential option, as as you've pointed out. But is war actually a likely alternative? Our previous guest didn't think so. Yeah, I agree with him. I didn't hear his entire remarks, but I believe he's probably right. Uh, it, I think it is unlikely. I don't I don't really see what either side gets out of it. However, comma, I think that uh, I also think it's the case that uh, most wars look unlikely until they actually happen. So. I guess my I guess my overall take is unlikely, yes, but uh, never say never because uh, things do happen. What would be uh, the outcome of of fighting if it were to break out? We often talk about the possibilities of of war on this peninsula and what would be the ensuing consequences given the involvement of other major powers nearby. I guess China and India. That, that's almost unimaginable if it was to really uh, catch fire. Yeah, I think uh, I think my uh, my. Uh, my overall take on this would be don't assume that the PLA would, uh, the Chinese military would simply steamroll the Chinese, or excuse me, steamroll the Indians, of course. Uh, the, I mean, we, if you look at the, at the relative figures as far as numbers of troops, uh, amount of defense budgets and all these sorts of things, it looks like the PLA has an overwhelming response or a, a capacity to impose its will on India, wherever that may be the case. But, uh, if in strategic terms, it matters whether you are stronger at the decisive place and time. It is possible, in, a, in, a, in fact, I would say it's possibly likely that India can make itself strong enough at the decisive place and time along the Himalayas uh, in order to hold what it already holds, which is the territory that China wants. So it is, it's in a strong position because it already holds the ground. It puts the onus on uh, China to... Uh, to do something about it and make itself look like the aggressor in the bargain. And so I think this uh, translates into real uh, political and military advantage for India. Yeah, I mean, we have seen Chinese media warning of all-out confrontation. And China's media is not a stranger to quite big rhetoric. We here in South Korea have sometimes felt, I'm sure, bullied by by the Chinese on, on other issues from third missile defense uh, to, of course, the North Korean issue, various ones. So can the U.S. really be neutral in this, looking between India and China, when you think of so many other concerns where the U.S. wouldn't necessarily be aligned with China? Yeah, I don't think I don't think the United States, and I should tell you right here that I am not speaking as a spokesman for my government. No, if that's not clear <laughs> enough already. <laughs> the uh, I don't th- I don't really think the United States uh, we can remain uh, neutral in the dispute simply because it would like to have Indian cooperation on so many other things, particularly maritime things out in the Indian Ocean, uh, where we, de- we desperately need uh, allies to help manage the Indian Ocean, South China Sea, and places like that. So, even though I don't think the United States has that much capacity to to influence this uh, particular stand off militarily, I do think diplomatically that uh, it behooves us to incline towards India, and I think India knows that as well.
I, I'm just conscious of the fact that we're not hearing from a, a Chinese expert right now who would come out and 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 put forward a very different perspective. Is it important to try to see things from Beijing's side here? Uh, many people would say so. Uh, no, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, anybody who ever does negotiations or studies negotiations uh, will tell you that uh, you need not sympathize with the other side, but empathy is a virtue when dealing with somebody coming from a different, uh, especially somebody from a different tradition, civilization, and so forth. I have very little doubt that uh, China thinks that it is, is in the right in these disputes, much as it, it thinks the same thing with its uh, claims in the South China Sea, East China Sea, and other disputes around its periphery. So yes, it uh, it always behooves us to try to see things through the eyes of the of the other side, even though we even though we disagree with their purposes and, and may try to defeat those purposes. When when you've said in the past that India has done things right thus far, is the implication that China has not done things right thus far? Yeah, well, I mean, you've you've already uh, just a couple of minutes ago you called attention to uh, to that as well. I think dipl- I mean, I'm speaking diplomatically. I think China has shown itself prone in recent years to what we call self-defeating behavior on the diplomatic standpoint. So, I mean, bullying your neighbors, there, there's, there's uh, the rhetoric coming out of the Chinese Defense Ministry on the Doklam uh, confrontation has been uh, nothing short of breathtaking. It has done the same thing to Singapore, to the Philippines, and other powers around its periphery uh, in recent years. And I think that uh, if you want soft power, which is, what, uh, which is sort of the uh, an effort to generate attraction among parties that you're negotiating with or perhaps facing off against. If you want to make yourself an attractive power, bullying them in, in, uh, verbally and in print and so forth is not the way to do it. India has not. India has basically remained calm. It has held the ground that it holds, and I think it has made itself look like the mature power, whereas it looks like China, China is pitching a temp- temper tantrum and making itself look like a bully. Never a good thing in diplomacy. Uh, one final question. Bhutan in all of this uh, seems to be pretty sandwiched there. Has India holding its back, but... Do we also need to listen very carefully to Bhutan's voice? I think so. And that voice, as you say, has been rather muted, which is uh, perhaps not surprising for a small country that is, as you said, sandwiched between two, two, uh, basically two titans in Asia, the two leading powers, uh, materially speaking, in Asia. So I, I'm not so too surprised that they remain quiet. However, it, uh, yeah, whatever they say about it, I think we should certainly pay attention to. They basically reminded everybody that uh, that this is disputed territory, this is not Chinese territory explicitly, and that it, thus that it should be open to negotiation, much as we try to to, to do nonviolently to dispute to uh, resolve dis- disputes of this type, territorial disputes. Doctor Holmes, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Pleasure to have you on the line, Doctor James Holmes of the. Naval War College in the US and both of our guests on this issue doubting that we're really going to see things spill over into a military conflict but our latter guest there Dr Holmes also suggesting that that's been the case for wars generally speaking and you never know until fighting starts. Uh, Certainly China's been very strong in its language through state media about the possibility of things really escalating. But we've seen that also in relation to Thad, uh, China even referencing that South Korea would be uh, the first port of call for fighting if things were to spill out in terms of regional tensions here. So maybe we take that with a pinch of salt. If you want to have your say right now, pound a sharp 1013 for 51 per message.